Hey, welcome to Whitefields Community Church Sermon Extra. Great to have you with us once again this week. This is our first, actually, Sermon Extra of uh, the new year. We're now in 2021. We have left 2020 behind us. And uh, we are in our vision series. And it's always a great time to, when you start a year, just to kind of step back and, you know, kind of get... What is it the Lord wants to speak to us as a church uh, for this year? And what are the things we want to we look at, we want to focus on? And what are the important things, the foundational things for our church? And we are doing that. We are looking at, uh, last week we looked at a vision for? A vision for God's, the, play, the role of God's word in our lives. God, and this week we're looking at a vision for um Surrender. For surrender. Which is worship. Which is worship. And then next week we're going to look at a vision for God's mission for the church. And so if you have missed any of our sermons, going back even to the one before, uh, you know, you can go to whitefieldschurch.com and you can download them there. And, uh, of course, all of the podcast uh, platforms that you might enjoy, uh, you can find them there on Google Play or Facebook. Apple Music or wherever that might be. And if you would, it would be great if you give us uh, a like, a subscribe, if you could rate and review uh, on any of those of the podcast, allow us to give us a review. Uh, it just really helps to, you know, get this content out there and help this channel out. And uh, just get, you know, when people type in, you know, uh, questions that our, our content pops up to answer those questions. And that's why we do this. We want to be able to speak into people's lives with biblical truth, Christ-centered truth, gospel centered truth. So we come uh, this week, we looked at a vision for surrender, kind of uh, from Isaiah chapter six, just the, that whole picture of Isaiah's response is God appears, you know, as you talked about in the sermon, you know, he spends five chapters saying, woe are you, woe are you, you know, and, and kind of, per, you know, talking to the people of Israel, like this judgment's coming, these things are coming. And then in chapter six, we see Isaiah come face, you know, in a sense, face to face with the Lord, with the glory of the Lord. And he's like, woe is me. And, uh, you know, the, one of the topics, you didn't spend that much time on it, but what's an important aspect of that, and it's actually related to King Uzziah as well, is just the fear of the Lord, reverence for the Lord. What does that mean? People many times misconstrue or misunderstand what it means to be, you know, uh, the, uh, to have the fear of the Lord, the reverence of God. I mean, people maybe kind of like, I'm afraid to be in God's presence or these kind of things. And, and it's, you know, connected to King Uzziah and his moral failures. So we just wanted to talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So it seems that like fear is used in um, a couple different ways, right? We're told in the Bible, sometimes we're told fear not, right? That's, that's one of the most repeated phrases in the entire Bible. Um, another one, right? We're told that perfect love casts out all fear in uh, the New Testament. And so, so what does that mean? If God's casting out fear and, um, and telling us to not be fearful, then why are we to be afraid of him? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think that there's a, a lot of good examples of this. Um, one of the examples I've used before is this. I, I took my son when he was, he must have been two years old. We took him to the, the Black Canyon of the Gunnison National Park down in uh, central Colorado. And, you know, that is like thousand foot cliffs down to you know, I guess death. And, and it's, it's guarded by these wooden fences that are just the perfect size for a two-year-old to go right underneath them. And, you know, it freaked us out that he wasn't afraid. 
And the reason is that's actually really common with little kids and toddlers is that they haven't yet built a healthy fear. And so they're, they'll do things that are really dangerous from the, for themselves and they don't, they're not afraid. Now that's a good example of, of a time when you need to have a healthy fear. You need to have a healthy fear of the fact that there's a thousand foot cliff. And if you get too close to it, you will die. Well, that's the same way. But there are other things that we shouldn't fear, right? Like we shouldn't fear circumstances. We shouldn't fear the future if we're in the Lord because we're in Christ more than conquerors. And so there are things that we shouldn't fear and there are things that we should fear. So it's not just a blanket, don't fear. It's, a, it's fear the right things and don't fear the wrong things in light of who God is. And the one thing we should fear is God, right? It says in the Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of knowledge. It's the beginning of understanding. The fear of the Lord, it says in Proverbs, is a fountain of life that saves you from the snares of death, right? So that's, that's pretty important that we fear the Lord. So of course, fear of the Lord, it's that same sense of like having fear for a powerful machine, uh, you know, having fear for a powerful thing in nature. It's just a, it's a, it's a sense of respect for it awe that causes you to, to be careful how you, how you act around it. And, um, you know, having too much of a nonchalant attitude or too much of a, I guess, too, too common attitude is really, um, dangerous, I guess you could say for us spiritually. So there's some examples of this, you know, the word holy could mean, right. It means on the one hand, a lack of sin. It means morally upright, but you know what? It more than that in a, in a broader term, the word sin means to be set apart, to be different. Holy, holy, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. The word holy <laughs> means to be set apart and different. Um, and so, so you can think about like, right. We use special, maybe in your family, you use special China. It's set apart for special purpose, right? That's the idea that, that God is separate. He's not common and therefore we shouldn't treat him as something common. And, and we see in the Bible that when people do that, the kinds of things that happen. And so a good example is Uzziah, as you mentioned, Uzziah lacked the fear of the Lord and he taught, he treated the, the things of the Lord as something common. And that's actually what his moral failure was. That's what led to his death. As we mentioned on Sunday, I didn't get into what the moral failure was, but what it was, if you read in second Chronicles 26, it says that Uzziah entered in and tried to make some sacrifices in a sense, made himself a priest. Now in our past series, where we looked at Jesus as the anointed one, the Messiah, prophet, priest, and king. Uh, we saw that in, in Israel, it was actually forbidden for kings to act as priests. And we see that this was a problem that King Saul fell into. I believe it's in 1 Samuel chapter 14, uh, where Saul makes a sacrifice, an unlawful sacrifice that he had no business making as the king. That just wasn't his job. Now you may say, well, what's all these rules? You know, why can't he do that? Well, there were very, there's a really concrete reason as why a king, uh, as it says like in, in Romans 13, a king is a mediator of God's justice whereas a priest is a mediator of God's mercy. And so these two things were separated. They were meant to point to Jesus, but to overstep your bounds is to lack reverence for God, right? It's essentially God says, do this and don't do this. And you say, I'm gonna do whatever I want and I don't care what you say, right? When you put it in those terms, I mean, you realize that as we talk about surrender is what it means to worship the Lord in essence surrendering your will, your pride, surrendering your plans. And so to not do that is essentially to just thumb your nose at God and say, I don't care what you say. I'm doing my own thing. And that that's one of the worst things you can do apparently. So, um, so yeah, that, that's my thought on the fear of the Lord. 
Yeah, and I think what what uh, First um, Isaiah chapter six shows us is that when you come in truly into the presence of the Lord, it's really not something you have control over. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you you know, we see many instances of that where people come into the presence of the Lord, and it's like they are they're overwhelmed by 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 being that and they understand as you talked about who we are to who god is you know we we suddenly see our insignificance uh we're face to face with our mortality our sinfulness as humans you know in light of a holy god you know and uh yeah no definitely um it's one of those, I, you know, as we talked about a little bit before, where there's sometimes words that we almost have to redeem every time we preach sermons. Sure. You know, one of those is fear. The other one was obedience because that was one of the verses you taught. Jesus said, if you love me, you will do what I command, you know, mm-hmm. and surrender, you know, in the essence, many times, you know, can be boiled down to obedience and obedience to the things of the Lord and, and, uh, the God's will in our lives. And, you know, as many times, you know, as, as a, you know, as a pastor, you have to get up at the pulpit and redeem these words which have taken on negative connotations, yeah. fear and obedience. But in God's universe, they actually set us free and, and uh, you know, allow us to be free to worship the Lord. You know? Well, Mike, let me let me uh, switch the script here and say this. It was, a, it was interesting, right, that I taught on worship when you are, that's your title, worship pastor. So maybe you could chat about this. Why, why did I teach on this and not you because you have taught on it in the past you've taught on it at conferences you're kind of uh kind of an expert right so why why have me teach on this um i think uh for several reasons i think one one i think within the church services there's this kind of unnatural division that's created between the senior pastor who preaches and the worship pastor who who leads the music portion of the service and i think it's even more powerful when the senior pastor gets up and says this is what worship is and and worship is not that you know 20 30 minutes or whatever it might be of music that leads into the sermon worship service is what we do when we come into the building on a sunday morning it's overflow of what should be happening as you talked about throughout the week uh, worship is that time when we come and we open up our hearts and our mouths and we sing to one another, admonishing one of the hymns and, you know, psalms and spiritual songs. And we sing to the Lord in response as well. But then we also respond to the Lord and we, we listen to his word through worship, you know. And then we worship the Lord through giving. And then we worship the Lord through prayer, praying for one another. We worship the Lord uh, through fellowship, uh, one with another. And so it's a worship service and I think it's I think that that becomes more uh, evident to people when the senior pastor gets up and says hey you know we need to be singing our hearts to the Lord and and uh, you know and people take it more seriously than the guy with the guitar saying you should be singing they you know you know this is part of our worship service I think it just has a little bit more oomph to it sometimes when and at brings into perspective all that we do on a Sunday Sunday morning. Even though, you know, scripture where, uh, you know, over 200 times it's men- singing is mentioned, and actually over 50 times we're actually commanded to sing in scripture. It's just a great way, and as you talked about on Sunday, a great way of keeping 
uh, remembering the the truths of the Lord. It's just one of those things. When people leave the building, they're more likely, as we finished on Sunday morning, we're saying that hymn, I Surrender All, which is the title. They're walking out of the building singing that song, I Surrender All to Jesus, you know, my blessed Savior, I Surrender All. They sing it in the car there. That comes up during the week, that melody, you know, so those those the music is such a powerful thing and such a, a powerful medium uh, for worship and for conveying the truth of God but it's not the only one and I think you know when a, when the pastor senior pastor gets up there and you know and preaches on the topic of worship I think it can be even more powerful and bringing all those elements together and and people responding you know to the Lord in all of the, the aspects of the worship service on a Sunday morning so let me let me just tease some of that out because I think it's pretty interesting and maybe I'll just bring up some of the things that I've heard over the years, right? So um, you mentioned 50 times in the Bible we're, to, we're commanded, commanded to worship. Yeah. So what about the person who's, who's there and saying, I just don't sing. I don't even sing in the shower. I get mad when birds sing. I'm just singing's not my thing. What would you say? Um, well, I would encourage them to break free from that, you know, even just slowly, uh, even in monotone. Some of that I think is just... Uh, they feel self-conscious, you know, um, about singing. Uh, and, you know, I've had that said to me, and I, I look out at the congregation on Sunday mornings, and I see blank faces <laughs> staring back at me, and I don't look at those people on yeah. Sunday mornings. I look at the people that are engaged. You know, And so, I mean, I think, yeah, singing, yeah, people, some people are more, you know, gregarious as they sing. Some are a lot more subdued. Some have told me, well, I worship, I just don't open my mouth. Um, I would say, you know, scripturally, the Bible is, it's a major part of, of how the Lord has constructed the worship of his people. Um, and, and I think, you know, I think that's just something maybe you need to step out in faith and just you know, sing to the Lord, whether you just close your eyes and forget others. I think maybe that's a step of obedience. You yeah. know, one of the passages that always gets me is right before Jesus goes to the garden of Gethsemane. Do you ever notice this one yeah. at the end of the, la uh, Lord, the last supper? It says that they sang, sang a, a hymn. they sang a hymn and then he went out. Yeah. Yeah. That always strikes me. But here's another one. You know, you get these people and they'll be like, yeah, okay, I get it. Music is important. But you know what? This this uh, style of music that you guys play just doesn't do anything for me. And you get people on both ends, right? You get the people who would be like, the only way is through 200-year-old hymns or 300-year-old hymns. That's the way to really worship. And then you get the people who are like, uh, and they might say, you know, Jesus didn't have an electric guitar, and so why do you? And then they might say, uh, on the other hand, you get the people who say, there's not enough smoke in this room. Actually, there's no smoke. We don't, we don't have smoke machines. So, uh, there's not enough smoke in this room, so I can't really enter in. So what, what do you say to those types of folks? You know, uh, if you even just a cursory study of, of church history, you'll know that every generation, every generation has dealt with the topic of music. Music has, is a generational topic, uh, from generation to generation, um, and across denominational lines. And, and I think it's always the next generation is going to argue and discuss what is what's God's favorite music. <laughs> and, um, you know, I think that's never going to, you know, until the Lord comes back, that's not going to be a topic that's ever going to be, you know, settled. Uh, and that's the power of music. As you talked about on Sunday, music has a way of, of, 
of putting us in a particular place, and and uh, we discuss as well. You hear a song from whatever era it might be as you walk into Walmart. There, you it transports you to that place many times. It you can remember what you were smelling, you can remember what you were eating, or what you were wearing. You know, music has a way. You know, and there are those powerful songs, and and you know. I've had so many people come up to me after church and say, hey, you know, if you sing this song, then <laughs> this this is going to be, you know, there's going to be revival and, you know, this is such a powerful song. And inevitably, that was the song that was playing when they got saved. Right, right. Or they had some powerful, um, you know, connection with the Lord or something like that. So music has that. You can't take that away from people. And I think... Um, you know, whether it's 200-year-old hymns, whether it's new music, I think for my responsibility as a worship pastor is to make music congregational. So I'm not going to try and get everybody's favorite style. What I'm going to try and do is get Christ-centered songs in a way that's congregational-friendly, in a way we can all sing together. And and that's kind of the goal. I know that I'm trying, you know, I've, I've got this whole spectrum of... Of, of time periods that I'm dealing with people that really enjoy the hymns to those that walk in the door and have never heard the hymn before and like what is this word thy thou you know what is an Ebenezer what is a all these you know why are we singing in King James language you know from the 1600s you know or you know people just don't connect with the modern music because they don't ever listen to it you know they don't know the, the new songs but you know you know, that's just something you deal with and you will deal with generationally. I think, you know, somebody just wrote in, to, you know, and said they really enjoyed that song, Face Down, that we sang on Sunday, really connected with the message. Not a song that many people knew. It's a modern song. Um, you know, so you want to, you know, it. that's not a question. It's, it's very difficult to answer. And it's just something you, every week, just be obedient to trying to choose the songs that get the whole room full of people from the youngest to the oldest singing you know and you know i love to hear i see you know uh, young people singing these songs see the older people singing these songs and i try to do the old hymns i try to do new music and try and connect you know across that broad range of 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 our generation so cool yeah so that's a lot of a lot of a lot of stuff to we talked about today and uh, just the, the the topic of worship and surrender is such a broad topic and it's it's no wonder that's one of the foundational things of our vision series and uh, who you worship how you worship you know uh, and what your your focus is on you know these these are things that we want to talk about and surrendering to the things of the Lord that's one of the most important things for the beginning of this year and maybe that's something that you need to you know you and the Lord need to have some face time about us Lord I need to surrender some things this year some anxiety some plans some whatever it might be and so you know that's something to pray through and you know if you got some comments and suggestions or just you know responding to this video you know we'd love to love to hear from you again you know you can download at whitefieldschurch.com our sermon and of course ring the bell subscribe do all of those things and we look forward to seeing you again next week God bless